What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This is Jake Hofer. This week we have an episode with Russell Horn. I've known Russell for a long time. I would say almost six years. He's a real estate professional out of Pennsylvania. We talk about a lot of different things here today. Some things that buyers should maybe consider more often, what sellers should consider. And this is a mix of land with residential real estate with a little bit of investing too. So kind of has the full spectrum here. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Before we get into it, a couple quick announcements. The first one being is we just launched a giveaway with Osseo Gear. We are going to announce the winner on May 19th in the morning. And you just head to the link in the description and sign up. And you're going to get a chance to win a $750 gift card from Exodus and also a $750 gift card from Osseo to spend on whatever you like. So a prize package worth $1,500. You can head over to the link in the description, sign up for that. Exodus has some really great news coming down the pipeline. So I hope you guys sign up to our email newsletter on our website, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and you're gonna get all the news first. And a lot of times it, it, it needs to be timely because when we launch something, typically they don't last too long. So be sure to do that. And I'll just give a gentle, friendly nudge. Check out Acres. You can go to acres.com. It is an awesome mapping software and tool. I use it all of the time and it is so seamless, so quick. You can go from five tabs to one tab if you're a land professional. And if you're just someone that likes land, likes looking at listings, you can go on there and check out all the different things that are available. And I encourage you guys just to go check it out. Head over to acres.com. That is it. I hope you guys have an excellent week. Let's get right into this conversation. Russ, welcome to the Land Podcast. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Been wanting to get, on, get you on here for a while. Um, yeah. I've known you for a long time now, it feels like. So I'm really excited to to pull back yeah. the curtain and learn more about what you have going on in Pennsylvania. But before we get into all of that, go ahead and introduce yourself for people who aren't familiar with you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Russ Horn. Um, I am uh, an 8th generation native to uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, a little town called Mount Bethel. So it's kind of above the Lehigh Valley, um, Southern Poconos area. Um, and uh, it's right outside New York City, New Jersey. So it's high traffic area. I've been, uh, I've been in real estate for years um, since I was basically like middle school and high school. I was kind of riding around with my grandfather and his buddy. Um, and I never got my license until 2017. Um, once I got my license, I was really kind of, I, I just dove headfirst into flipping houses, buying rentals, uh, you know, obviously being a realtor, representing clients, um, and uh, it really kind of took off. And, and especially in 2020, when COVID hit, I just basically, we got shut down. We weren't supposed to be out working. So I kind of sat at home, tried to figure out how to reinvent the wheel, you know, as far as marketing, getting out there, obtaining clients. And it just really has has taken off. I mean, it was good before that, make no mistake. But 2020 really, you know, ramped yeah, up. a wild time. I think it'll be something agents will go back and look at like, do you remember 2020 and 2021? Yeah, <laughs> Man, that was crazy. <laughs> yes. So my, my broker and I were just talking the other day. Um, she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, I, I hope people are saving money because this is not normal. You know, the last couple of years have not been normal. So I hope these agents that have been doing well have saved their money, you know, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a commission job, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you gotta you gotta watch out for yourself. Nobody's gonna do it for you. Yeah, you you eat what you kill. <laughs> basically, yeah. I, I will, some people might go hungry. But and yeah. so you're mentioned riding around with uh, your grandpa and your grandpa's buddy uh, yep. in middle school and everything else. So were they? How long have you been exposed to real estate? Were they buying and selling properties back then, or were they agents? Or yeah, no, they weren't agents. Um, they uh, they were just kind of a free spirit in the world of real estate. You know, just um, entrepreneurs had their own businesses, jobs. 
Um, they just bought and invested real estate, wholesaled it and uh, flipped it, whatever. Um, and I, like I said, around middle school is when I, I remember driving around and actually paying, really paying attention you know, mm -hmm. to what was going on. And I kind of gained a lot of experience then. And throughout, uh, you know, grade school, I helped with the family business with rentals. Um, you know, a lot of, I was a laborer. So I, you know, you got to demo stuff, paint stuff, clean stuff up, whatever the case may be. I didn't have a driver's license. So it's, you know, I got dropped off. Here's your stuff and I'll pick you up later, you know? <laughs> so that, that's pretty much it. Um, and then, uh, I, long story short, uh, went to college, didn't like it. Um, dropped out, went to work construction. Didn't like that. My grandfather said, if you go back to school, you obtain a degree, I will pay for your degree. So mm. I was like, well, that sounds like a good deal. So I went back. I went for, I think, a semester or two. I, I forget exactly what it was, but I didn't like it. And I was like, I'm done. I'll figure it out. So I uh, I dropped out for the second time. I went to, I started out at East Stroudsburg University. And then I, the second time around, I went to Northampton Community College just to finish out my credits. They were transferable. And uh, like I said, I just, I wasn't having it. I was like, I'll figure this out the hard way. So I, I did. What, you know? what, what didn't you like about school? Uh, it just wasn't my environment. I, you know, I, I'm very sociable, as you can tell. I love talking to people. Um, I just, I guess I have a hard time with uh, learning things, sitting down, trying to learn a curriculum that I'm not going to apply ever sure. to my future in my, my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, it just wasn't for me. I just can't sit. I'm a hands-on person. I can't sit in a class and just listen for hours on end. It's just not me. Yeah, but I think... The beautiful thing about real estate, it's so dynamic. It's always changing. There's always new uh, new challenges, new obstacles, new things to figure out as markets adapt. And uh, that sounds yeah. like the perfect environment for how your brain's wired. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's like when I went to take the uh, the real estate course, I was like, oh, man, I, I hate schooling. I hate classes. Like, am I going to be able to do this, right? And I, obviously, I, I, I want to say I knew it all because I didn't by any means. But I was pretty exposed to real estate, especially as a young kid, you know? So yeah. like, I really, I knew how things got done, you know? So I went there, I took the, the test. Um, it was a two month course, Scott White Real Estate Institute, passed it, flying colors, no problem. Um, had a great instructor. Um, he was awesome. Seth Cornish was his name, he's a great guy. And uh, so I, from there, went to, uh, out to Harrisburg, our, mm -hmm. our capital, to take the exam. And I failed it four times. The first time I was like, the first time I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll go in, I'll pass it, no problem. I walked out of there. I was like, what happened in there? Like, I don't even know what that was, you know? So, uh, or no, three times, I think it was. I don't remember. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was three times I failed, passed on the fourth. Um, so the second time, I was like, yeah, I'll study a little bit. So I looked at some flashcards, thinking I'll ace this. I got out of that for the second time. was like, this is something else, you know? So I went in for the third time and uh, I was like, I'll study a little more. So the fourth time I went in there, I studied my ass off. I mean, I was like, I got to pass this exam. But it made me feel good because I, I was in there and somebody else was walking out. They failed like nine times. Whoa. Ooh, boy, this is crazy. So, you know, in, in essence, again, not a classroom guy. Uh, and as you know, and most legitimate real estate agents, people who have been doing it and have experience and, and move real estate, a lot of those those book, that book stuff and the one stuff they want you to Super study. obscure situations and yeah. How many, yeah, how, apply, man. how many square feet are in an acre? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 4,360. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so, you know, it was kind of like, man, a lot of the stuff, you know, the law is the law, make no mistake, you know, but a, a lot of the scenarios and the stuff they give, it's, it's kind of fairy tale, you know? Yeah. So, and they want you, you know, they want you to cram it in, learn it, pass the test and whatever. But like I said, I did on the fourth try. 
Um, there are some people there that were creeping over 10. That's you know, crazy. So felt, yeah. Felt better. And, yeah. you know, the funny thing is I, I do know some agents, friends of mine who were, one was a valedictorian, right? Top of the class. Went there, could not, could pass the, pass the course, could not sell a house to save their life. Like, right. can't yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's two different skill sets for sure. And yeah. um, I failed my test a handful of times and the same thing. I was like, oh, this book that, that they give you, you should probably read it. <laughs> I read right. it and I passed no yeah. problem. I was like trying to do all the online stuff, like practice tests. And it's like, well, why just yeah. read the book they give you? And there's some of the stuff was verbatim. I was like, man, that would be yeah. awesome. I did all my yeah. stuff online too, which maybe had a, like the, the pre-licensing classes, which maybe it would have been better to do in person, but Sure. Uh, but anyways, experience, experience is the number one teacher, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, so I think that's a good point too, because I have to imagine as an agent from 2017 to today, you're probably so much more fluid in the entire process of like, okay, this is a potential roadblock. We already know how to get around it. And it's not going to become this big sticking point to maybe a guy that's just got started. And he's like, Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think that is key of a good agent. Yeah. And I can, I can, before I could kind of smell sense of problem coming now, I can see it coming a mile away, you yeah. know? So it's like, okay, get, let's get in front of this right now. You know, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Yep. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing as a, as a potential buyer that's not familiar and is oblivious to some of those roadblocks to have a buyer's agent that knows what they are, knows how to get through them. And it's just yep. a small little blip on the radar versus just a catastrophe. And then it, you know, adds stress to a situation that's not needed. Absolutely. Yeah. And real estate can get very stressful, even as an agent. I, like I, I've had some, some deals where it's like, I can't sleep because there are things I can't control. So, you know, you shouldn't worry about those things, but you do because it's your client, you know yeah. what I mean? You represent your client and, and it stresses you out. I mean, some people tell me, I don't know how you do this. You know? Yeah. Do you, um, you mentioned like the Val Victorian that went through the class and, and had and struggled as a professional agent. I, I know uh, there's a South Park episode that I really want to watch where it's like they make fun of real estate agents. Like, well, well what, what do you mean you have a job? You can't do anything. <laughs> like, well, I'm a real estate <laughs> agent. And like, as a profession, we get ragged, you know, like we get made fun of quite a bit. Absolutely. But I, but do you think what, what's your take on that? Uh, that example of like someone who's really, really sharp and obviously very successful can struggle in, in this space. And then you have like society saying we're, we're just idiots. <laughs> and it's, yeah, the, so, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so that's a loaded question. So I'm going to kind of give a vague answer. But um, I, it's one of those things where you either have it or you don't. You know, you, you either have the intangibles. You got to be able to communicate. You got to have a you know level of intelligence. Um, you got to be able to you know solve problems. Um, you have to have, be educated on the you know the uh, substance or the uh, problems and and you know what you're doing. Um, so, you know, when people say, say, oh, you're just a real estate agent. Let me tell you what, you know, you, you solve more problems and do more for people than what most people realize, you know, yeah. and, and a home is the biggest purchase in most people's lives. Absolutely. Land, yeah. home, whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'd ask you this. So I have to imagine, I, I know that your grandfather was in, influential as who you are today, but sure. is yeah. there any real key lessons or sayings or anything that, that you think about every day of when you're working in this profession? Yeah. Some I can't say, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're too full, they're too full, but they are real. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And I think about that all the time, you know, I, I you know, on a business side, not so much a sentimental side. Um, there are some of those things I think about on a regular basis because they are so true and accurate. Um, a lot of life lessons there. 
um, that you, again, you apply every day to different things, whether you're, you're working on a sale, um, you're working with a tenant, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot what, of those. What's, what's one, what's one that, oh, that comes to mind often? The number one, I, I don't think I should say it, but uh, we can bleep it out if we have to, unless you don't, yeah. <laughs> unless you want to be on the record saying it too. <laughs> A lot, a lot, I'll, I'll tell you. So a lot of, a lot of people, they lie, they cheat and they steal. A lot of people, you, um, you know, when their backs are against the wall and especially in the world when you're a landlord, you know, um, that happens a lot, you know, when their backs against the wall and, and they can't come up with money, they break things, they, they do things to, to hurt your investment. And when they're called out on it, they don't like it and they'll do whatever they have to do to get out of that situation. And you got to yeah. get in front of that. Yeah. I think that that's probably something that doesn't get talked about enough in, in that world because you are seeing people in that situation at, at their very worst. Maybe they're an all right person, but I, I think it's, it's human nature when you get back in the corner. It's not good for anyone. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I rent to a lot of friends, uh, classmates, things of that nature around here. I got quite a few rentals and whatever. And um, I, as far as a person goes, I have people that I, I rent to that I just think are great people. They really are, you know? And they get themselves in a situation and they lie to me. And next thing you know, it's like, I don't even know this person anymore. You yeah, know, it's like, why, 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 we had such a good relationship. Why did you tell that lie? Because now it's taken us to a whole new place and there's no going back. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I think the big thing across the board is, is honesty and integrity. You, you got to be honest. If there's a problem, you got something going on, especially in the world of real estate, whether you're a, a, a seller, uh, a tenant, whatever the case may be, you need to come up front and come clean about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it will, it will, it will happen eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll come back. Yeah. Again, whether you're selling a house, um, you're buying a house and you're, you, you know, got approved, you have a pre-approval and we're going to closing. And next thing you know, you go buy a car and you didn't tell Ooh. me. That's like a big <laughs> no, no, you know, yeah. I've been there, been there. You get to the table all of a sudden, you know, either something, they do the final credit pool, you know, 24, yep. 36 bucks for, settlement and it's like whoa what's this 500 payment now you have monthly you know yeah. oh well, i didn't tell anybody but i had to buy a new car well we can't close today yeah I had, i've had that happen to before and it's yeah. uh it, it oh and i was a buyer's agent too and it's so awkward everyone's oh. there everyone's there at the closing table everyone you know some people think they're buying a house some people think they're selling a house and yeah. then it's just like Ooh, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah, really right. awkward. Yeah, because everybody looks at you like you have complete control over that, and you yeah. don't. <laughs> no. You know, it's like I didn't know anything about this, and I, you know, like yeah. you ask all the qualifying questions. But I mean, I think the lessons in that is anyone listening is if anything you think might be an issue, obviously have an agent that you can trust that you can say things in confidence and say like, "Hey, I have this going on. Do you think it's going to be an issue?" And they're, they're going to be able to tell you, "You're good," or "Yeah, let's let's figure this out and, and nail it down." Yeah, absolutely. Because there's nothing, again, there's nothing more stressful when you can sense a problem brewing and your client is not being upfront and honest with you. It becomes a really big issue, you know? Yeah, for sure. So any any other any other key things that you, you remember as a kid that everyone should know? Like, I think that's, I think this is just a, off kind of a sidebar change, but I think Kids that grow up to have a good relationship with their grandparents are really fortunate because they they're able to, to give a perspective that their parents can't give, or maybe you just don't want to listen to your parents, and you can yep. listen to them a lot easier. So I didn't know if there was anything else that comes to mind, and then and then we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I, as far you know, 
not maybe not as far as sayings go, but as far as um, lessons and and you know learning from, I think it boils down to you get what you put into it. You got to do the work, no matter what you're doing, what you're pursuing. You have to work if you want to get to a a uh, you know good financial position in life or you know just financial freedom. Um, you you got to put in the work. You know you you gotta you gotta work. You can't just stand by and wait for things to happen because it, it does not chip away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it all, every, everything comes down to just getting started. And I know that's Absolutely. so cliche and people are like, well, it, 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 it is. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people, um, they're afraid to get started. You know, they're afraid to take that step. And sometimes it takes just finding a good mentor to really be able to take that leap. You yeah. know, there and was, there's a saying, uh, I hope Steve's listening to this, Steve Hansen. Uh, he's been on the show a handful of times. I asked him like, well, how do you get through this? He's like, no brains, no headache. <laughs> he said it sarcastically, but I love it. Like it, it comes back to mind. It's like, that's don't, don't, uh, don't have analysis by paralysis, make good decisions, but uh, worry. And, and, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times people think that, um, you know, people do make good decisions and bad decisions. You and I both do the same thing, right? We always strive to do the right thing. Um, and sometimes we, we make a mistake. We're human. It's, it's natural. And again, when you have a mentor, sometimes you learn the things to do, obviously. And sometimes you learn the things not to do. Yeah. You know? um, it's all about learning. And you got to be willing to learn. You got to be willing to move forward and and not be afraid to fail. That's the, that me personally, that lesson right there is probably my number one preached item is mm-hmm. do not be afraid to fail because failure is a great teacher as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head too of don't be afraid to go find someone that's done it before. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and find I, I, learning I was, if, if somebody like, and I, I think you can relate to this as an agent, if somebody came to me, a younger kid or, or even an older adult or whatever, want to get into real estate, want to become an agent and, and, and learn from me and work it under me or, or with me at my brokerage, wherever the case may be, I'd welcome them with open arms if they're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have some, some intangible qualities, they're motivated, they want to learn and they want to do the right thing, I'd welcome them with open arms. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a handful of people send emails like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting my license. What advice can you give? There's one guy that was like, I'm in college, like similar. You got your license in college. I'm getting my license in college, college too right now. What advice do you have? You know, give back a thoughtful piece of information to stuff that I wish I knew, which is, I don't know. It's a small token to pay forward. Cause there's been so many people that helped me along the way too. It's like, Oh man, I, I, Jake, I think about that all the time. How many people have, uh, have helped me, um, get where I am right now. And again, it can be a mentor. It can be a contractor. It can be a tenant where we had a conversation and I learned an extremely valuable lesson from that, that I've carried forward. You know, um, it can be, you know, anybody really, um, you know, really anybody. Again, you gotta be, you gotta, it's all about, um, perspective, you know, and being understanding. I, one of my big things also is being understanding, um, of everybody's situation and understanding what you have going on and what everybody else around you has going on, because I think that's key to success and, and making decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> talking about just some general mistakes, what, what are some mistakes that you've seen buyers or sellers make over the years that you think people should know that maybe don't jump out to the, the extreme obvious? Yeah. So I think, uh, like we just said, kind of reiterate it, uh, not getting started. If you want to buy a house and your goal is to buy a house, not getting started, not reaching out to a realtor um, and a lender is a mistake because you might not be, you might know that you're not able to go and buy a house tomorrow, but that realtor and that that lender may be able to set up a plan and say, hey, here, here's several steps. If you do these steps over the next couple of months, you're going to be golden, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, and I think a lot of people kind of neglect that and they, they don't, they're afraid to maybe take that step. But um, I think that's a, a pretty crucial thing um, as far as a, a, from a buyer's perspective. Um, also, like we just said, when you're in the mortgage application process and you have a house, a property, your land under contract, do not go buy things without consulting with your agent, your lender first, because that will prevent you. That will stop you from closing your deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Will. yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure people are sick of, sick of hearing this on the podcast, but I always say like people can start like shop as hard as a hop shop as hard for a lender as you do for a property. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I think if, you, if you look at that, if you go with that level of intensity, it will pay for itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of comes back to us as agents, you know, and just everyday life, but you know, you surround yourself with good people. So I, you know, I make sure your, your, your name and reputation is everything, right? So I surround myself with great lenders, great title companies, great contractors, great attorneys. You know, I don't want to do business with somebody that's that's no good and, and mm -hmm. you know, does negligence. It reflects like, poorly on yourself, which is sometimes yeah. frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And your network is your net worth, right? As far as an individual. So I, I strive to have a good network, you know, um, I want to do good business. So I strive to make sure I have quality people in my network. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and, go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to say, you know, as far as the sellers, uh, from a seller's point of view, um, you know, maybe some things they do wrong is again, maybe not disclosing something with their property, their home, their land, um, or, you know, maybe not taking a little bit of pride before you get on the market. Let's get it cleaned up. You know, um, some people, sometimes people confuse, uh, you know, a rundown property with, you know, maybe like some clutter, you know, and those are kind of two different things. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, pace for itself and in the speed of a deal. And yeah. um this is always something I find kind of funny. Like everyone's like, well I want I want something that I can put some sweat equity to and I can and I can fix up. They all start that way. And they're like, eh, you know, I mean, I, like this one looks like it has a lot of work. It's like I thought you said you want some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's funny you say that I just showed a property the other day. Um it was the same way. Great little ranch home. Uh you know, it needs a little TLC. When I say TLC, it needs easy stuff. It needed, you know, paint, carpet. <laughs> yeah, paint, carpet, appliances, uh, maybe update the bathroom. Nothing crazy. Very solid, well built, structured, sound home. Okay. And price, price right. I mean, with another $5,000, $10,000, you're going to gain another 20, 30 in equity in the home instantly. Snap a finger. That's what you're looking for. Saw mm -hmm. it, found it, didn't want nothing to do with it. I was like, okay, so we need to find something that's moving ready then, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but you're exactly right. Nail on the head. Yeah. And that, uh, speaking of uh, mentors, uh, Pat Porter, who has been on this show quite a few times, wrote a couple books on land and he, he preaches the importance of taking the imagination out of a deal. Like most people in general cannot see past some obvious flaws that may be easy to fix. And it just Absolutely. becomes like, it's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars to fix that. And it's like, well, maybe it's really like a weekend and, and, 10 grand, like top, like this for a scale of reference. Yep. <clears throat> so yeah, I would agree with that. So as a seller, is I'm, if I'm thinking about selling a house or selling a property, everyone knows the flaws because it's yours. Yeah. And like, go ahead and just fix that, that biggest burden if you can. And I think yep. it'll be worth it. And I think the other thing too is, I'm sure you get asked this from, from sellers, like, what should I do before I sell? I, my, my ears perk up when that, when someone says that, cause like, I'm happy right. to give this advice. And yeah. what's your budget? And I think yeah. if you, I'll tell you what I think you're going to get a return on, and I'm going to tell you what's break even, and I'm going to tell you what you're wait, wasting your time on, just based off of some general data. 
Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's funny you say that too, because I had, I went to a uh, listing appointment and um, super nice people. I mean, very nice, genuine, best clients you can ask for. Um, they're like, what can we do? And I'm like, you take such good care of your home, like nothing. You, we don't have to do anything before we listen. She was like, oh, well, I got to move some plants around. I got to <laughs> listen. Like, you're good. I, pro I promise. If you've ever trusted me, trust me now. Your, your home is flawless, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is it is a, a great feeling when your seller is open-minded like that and wants your opinion mm -hmm. to you know, take that advice. Yeah, absolutely. What have you been seeing going on in the market? I mean, I always like to ask agents all across the country. You're in Pennsylvania. And I mean, across the board, what's the Russ Horn market update? And I'll put a little breaking news thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so locally, uh, like we had said before, um, I have, I'm in, so I have nine uh, boroughs, municipalities that I, I, I really target. Okay. Which I call the slate belt. It's right between um, the Lehigh Valley and the Southern Poconos in Eastern Pennsylvania. And I'm right now I'm working with only 34 residential homes listed for sale that's all that's available publicly right now all that's available in a healthy market going into january of 2020 there was around 100 if i remember correctly i think i checked this out i think it was like 95 or 100 then um but it, it, health healthy market is 95 to 120 houses mm -hmm. um that was pre-covid and after that obviously as everybody knows the whole world knows at this point things just took off. Mm -hmm. um, and right now I only have, like I said, 34 homes to work with. I have 13 approved buyers or cash buyers looking for real estate. I have nothing to sell them. I got four listings last week, sold two immediately. None of my clients had any interest in those four. So while it's good, I, I did you know several other deals over here, but over here, I still have those buyers that I need to accommodate and help find a home. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, think, do you man. think that inventory is going to pick up eventually? Or do you think that sellers just, I mean, there's always a reason for someone to want to move and sell always. Yeah, I mean, right. So there's always, always the baseline, yeah. but to that buffer where maybe someone wants to go from a three bedroom house to a five bedroom house, or someone wants to go from 40 acres to 60 acres. Do yeah. you, do you think that we will see an uptick in inventory eventually in the next couple months? I don't know. So so to answer, kind of answer your question, there's always hardship and desire, right? There's always, you know, uh, unfortunately, there's always a death or a divorce or loss of a job or something where somebody needs to sell, right? And then you have desire where people are, their family's growing. They want to, you know, get a bigger home or land, bed, bath, whichever. So you have that. And at the same time, you constantly have um, kids graduating, okay, from college, getting jobs, want to buy a home. And right now, there's nothing. There's no, there, there's demand is so high. There's no inventory and you take all those things. I just, you know, spoke about there. Um, in today's market, a lot of times things don't even hit the market. It's, I know a friend or, you know, so-and-so's yeah. family member passed away. They're getting divorced. A lot of um, arms length deals. Yep. I'm just going to buy it. So it never even hits the market. And in theory, more than likely in today's environment, they could have got more if they put it on the open market. Yeah. You know? Uh, because the competition demand is extremely, extremely high. Yeah, uh, that's a great illustration. I think there's obviously benefits to to potentially do an arm's length deal to some sure. degree, but if maximizing your dollar, it's better in my opinion. And there's data that shows us that it's better to hire an agent and market to the entire world and not just that one yeah. person. Yeah. So <clears throat> to ultimately answer your question about what will um, inventory look like, in my opinion, um, this is just me. 
Um, I believe that uh, homes, home prices are not going to come tumbling down. I don't foresee home prices getting slashed 50%. I do see a recession. I see a recession coming. Um, I, there's already indicators going on. But again, there are too many people today, and there are too many people today with money. So while I say that, um, a recession obviously affects everyone, okay? But I feel that demand will continue to be high. Say you have 10 buyers for a house right now. I think once we get into this recession, that's coming. I think we'll see, you know, three to five buyers. I think the, the you know, it'll basically the separate. Shrinks. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And I think people's cash will dry up. So that'll make it a little tougher and that'll loosen up demand a little bit. Um, but again, people have to want to sell. So there's no inventory. So, you know, I, I don't know if we will see much inventory. Yeah. And again, I've... you know, people ask me about foreclosures and like, some people say, oh, they they overpaid for their home in 2020. Okay. Well, if somebody, if somebody is losing their home, they lost their job, can't pay the bills, whatever the case may be, that bank is not going to turn around and sell it at a discount. They're going to no. sit on that asset for several years and try and figure it out. They'll use they'll use it as a write-off. They don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, so to think that there's gonna be a ton of foreclosures because some people may have overpaid in 2020 or 2021, that's just not gonna come anytime soon. Yeah, I've seen a handful of headlines that <clears throat> that there's supposed to be a, a major influx of foreclosures, and and I, I'm subscribed to a bunch of different uh, auction sites that have those on there. I have been seeing a little bit more, but the other thing to consider too is lending is so much more strict during that time frame too. Absolutely. So the foreclosures, in my opinion, that we will see, which I do believe we will see a bunch of foreclosures, they are the ones from pre-COVID. Yes, the, it's they're just the now catching up. up. Yes, because because you know this administration put a stop to that temporarily, mm -hmm. you know, and didn't let banks foreclose on on homes for a while there. So I think the the influx of foreclosures that we will see are all pre-COVID issues. We will not see any type of foreclosures that stem out of COVID um, for a long time, for a while. And sometimes, again, in this market, it's so competitive and there's so much demand. Somebody will know somebody's losing their home, and they will go try and buy it sure. if it comes to value. You know, yeah, if they get they get the notification that it's been pre foreclosure. They're just going to go to that seller directly because pre foreclosure does not mean it's foreclosed. It means that they have time to redeem it, and if that means selling it and getting out from underneath it, Correct. then they can do that. Correct. Yep. So it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that, listen, my, so my grandfather passed away last year. Again, I'm still very close with one of his, his, his one of his closest friends and, and he's heavily into real estate still. And um, we talk all the time. There's so much uncharted territory right now that what happened in 2020, you can't use old indicators, methods, sure. mindsets, whatever right now, because we're in a whole new paradigm shift. Like what has happened now? Like, yeah, that's a great way to say it. And I, I would agree. But I, do you think that's obviously like the core principles of real estate obviously are intact, like buy what you can afford. Absolutely. Like be smart and and yeah. don't get don't get caught up in any excitement. Yeah, absolutely. I so like I, I'm always a buyer. Every day, 365 days a year. I'm I'm a buyer. Um if I can buy an investment property, I I will buy it. Um, I always tell people, and a lot of times I end up as an agent with properties because other people are scared and they're nervous. They don't want to buy it. Mm -hmm. so if you, if listen, if you can secure the asset, whether it's with your own cash, it's with a line of credit, it's with a, a mortgage, conventional mortgage. Okay. And you can put 20 to 30% down on the property and the rent 
pays the mortgage, the insurance, the taxes, all the overhead, and you're making some money, buy the property, mm -hmm. buy it. Like a lot of people get caught up, oh, I need to cash flow X amount or this percent from this property for it to work for me. Well, if you're making money, you're making good money, and that's where you want to put it is real estate, then buy the asset. My grandfather's number one rule was if it pays for itself and I make a hundred bucks a, a month from it, just buy it. Mm -hmm. Just buy it. In, in 20 to 30 years, it'll be paid off. And you own it free and clear. And mm -hmm. essentially that, that whoever occupied that property, that tenant bought you that property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, people are scared from that though. Like I, I, I think, I think it probably just goes down to just doing it and figuring out those different things throughout the road. Like there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be, you know, harder times per se. Yeah, but, absolutely. And I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody and, and, and miss, you know, conceive anybody. I, I, am I concerned with what's going on in the world right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, if a deal makes sense, I'm still buying it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, I, I'm not buying or investing anymore in real estate at all until we know what's going on in the world. Cause that's not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, the world has to go to a very devastating place for real estate to fold for everybody. You know, yeah. so at that point, it's all over. So you might as well roll the dice <laughs> on the table and buy as much as you can. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's always the perspective. Like, yeah, yeah. the world could fall out, but you probably don't care if that property doesn't cash flow. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's those are really good things. So overall consensus is that there's still a lot of demand. There's still limited inventory. And you don't necessarily see a, a giant spike of inventory coming and you don't necessarily see a lot of buyers completely pull out. No, no, I don't. Um, I do see some normalcy coming back to the market in the sense of um, a lot of the cash buyers that were buying a home as their primary have kind of dwindled away. Mm -hmm. Everybody everybody is financing right now, holding on to their cash. Um, they're not waiving all inspections and contingencies anymore like yep. they were the last two and a half years. Um, inspections are coming back, mortgage contingencies. Um, the earnest and down money is, is instead of going to those crazy numbers that it was, it's trickling down to again, you know, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. So again, I, I do see signs of, of normalcy again, but again, the demand is extremely high. There are still multiple offers highest and best. I, I actually had some of that go on here this past week. Uh, so that, that's still happening. But again, the, the big stuff, you know, waving everything, not caring, not doing any due diligence, that's kind of trending away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, and, I, and the other big thing here too is I know like during that peak excitement, obviously it's different throughout the entire country, but I'll just think of kind of my backyard where sure. there was some competitive offers and, and, and everything else. But the other thing to consider is like, just people are like, I'm going to wait for prices to drop and then I'm going to buy later. And it's like that formula did not work whatsoever. Yeah. If, no, if you were financing. It doesn't. And and the thing is too, is they, they God only made so much land, right? There's only so much land out there and you have big corporations buying it up because they know, they, they know darn well that there's only so much land. So yep. if you can afford it and you can buy it, I say buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Time so, is on your absolutely. side. Yeah, absolutely. Use yeah. the bank's money. You know, and a lot of people keep saying, oh, I'm waiting for interest to come back down, not just home prices. Well, secure the asset. You, your dream home might come on the market and you can say, oh, I've been wanting that house for years, but I'm not paying six and a half, seven percent interest, seven and a half, whatever, you know, wherever you're at. Um, well, secure the asset. So what if you have to pay an extra two, three hundred dollars 
a month for a year or so, at least you got the property you wanted mm -hmm. and you can refinance it, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll save a few hundred bucks a month when you refi. Yep. But, you know, to pe the people saying, oh, I don't want to pay this interest rate. This is crazy. Again, there's so much demand. So, yeah, you know. I always think there's a <laughs> I'm not ragging on anyone like it, but sure. I think there's always a there's always a tire to kick like a reason. Yeah. No absolutely. matter what. And so I, I just think if, if you're serious, you're serious. And to your point, absolutely. In terms of land and houses, yes. maybe that's the only opportunity you'll ever have to, to buy that property. And if you really, really, really want it, then yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, just it, like there's these short windows and there's farms that I know will only go up once in my entire life. Yes. There's houses that absolutely. only go up once in my entire life. And like, if you find one of those and you like it and you can afford it. Yeah. And it makes sense. Then yeah, to your point, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, land is land is precious. It's always in demand. Land is always in demand for farming, construction, new homes, commercial, whatever the case may be. Um, and again, if, if I, you know, there's properties that I, I want and I, I've known my whole life, I want them and, and they just haven't presented themselves. And if they ever do, I with no hesitation will buy them because mm -hmm. likely, like you just said, you'll never get that opportunity again. Yeah. Which is crazy. When you think about the scope of your lifetime, it's like, dang, yeah, that's crazy that that was your one chance. And I do, I do see, I do see this too, where this is more land, but like a large parcel gets bought and then let's say it gets chopped up or it's a smaller parcel that hadn't been for sale for a long time. There seems to be a window where it does become more available too. So I don't want to give anyone like false motivation. Like Correct. it sometimes will work out, but sometimes it won't. Yeah, most times doesn't. And there's, I'm, I'm still kicking myself for not buying some stuff uh, in, in 2019, 18, 17. I'm like, man, I should have bought that because now I see it. But at that point in time, it just wasn't worth it. And I was still buying other real estate, make no mistake. Um, it's just I looked at those things and they weren't the number one priority. And now I look back and think I was a fool. I should have bought it. Hindsight, bought man. It. Yep, should have used the bank's money. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship with debt? Like, I know a lot of people are scared of it. I know some people are more aggressive with it. What's your relationship with it? With what? Debt. Debt. Uh, yeah. So I'm not. I'm not afraid of debt. Uh, good debt is a great thing to have. Use the bank's money. If again, if you're buying land's a little bit different. If there's no income coming in off the land, it's a little bit different. And if you don't have plans to produce income with the land, it's a whole nother ball game. And at that point. You need to rob Peter to pay Paul. So you need to go into your bank account, your income, and make that payment because it's an asset you want. Um, but when it's an income-producing property, I am, and as long as the numbers work, I am not afraid of debt. Mm -hmm. Not afraid of debt. And there's a lot of ways to cover that. You know, some people will, um, like myself, I actually have. You know, you, you kind of crawl down a little bit of a rabbit hole, and you think, well, I'm accumulating all this real estate, and this properties, and this debt, and like, what happens if something happens to me? Like, what about my family? Well there's things you can do. You know, there, there's all kinds of different investments. There's life insurance policies. There's all kinds of different things to protect um, those assets, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not afraid of debt as long as it makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think having a healthy relationship with it and, and understanding it. And I think that's, I think this is another example that I heard on another podcast and it was a, it was more of a, just a business one, but it was a, this is the example. And I've mentioned this before is, like the guy that bought a single family and then buying a, a duplex and then a triplex and a quadplex and then a, you know, eightplex, 16plex. Like that guy didn't jump right to a 16plex full yeah. send. He stair-stepped his way up to it. And I think that's something to really illustrate. Like for, let's say, for example, for land, does it make sense to go buy the biggest piece you can possibly afford? If, if you really like it, sure. But you are going to learn things on your first deal. Like 
I thought this was important and this isn't as important. And the thing that I did not think about, I will never buy another parcel that's like that. You know, like whatever yeah. that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I hear you. And I can I can relate to that. My first property I ever bought was a single family uh, in downtown. Um, I bought that, fixed it up nice, rented it right out. Then other properties and stuff started presenting itself. So I bought a multi-unit, um, you know, used cash flow from that, bought some more single families. Um, you know, so it just it just keeps going. Once you and again, it, it all comes down to making those correct first steps. Don't bite off more than you can chew, and using the bank and using leverage to scale yourself. But again, you got to watch what you do. You know, you can't just go and say, "I'm just going to start buying properties," and not understanding any repercussions. Like I, I still to this day um, factor in pre-COVID numbers when I'm looking at a property because. When we go into a recession of some form, you know, the economy was great in, in 18 and 19. Make no mistake. And things were higher then. So and things got, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, um, inflation got out of hand in 2020. Right. It, it, and it's still out of hand. Still is. Yeah. I don't base my numbers off of today's market with as far as rental incomes and things like that, because that will change at some point in time. It will change. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't use those top tier numbers. If, if top rent. If people are somehow gaining $2,000 a month in rent for, you know, a two or three bedroom property, I don't factor that into my payment because what happens when we go into recession, people can't afford rents and they slide down a little bit. Now they're at 15, 1600 bucks a month. Well, if you factor that in, now you got a problem. Mm -hmm. So do you and try to have, real estate. do you try to have a 20% buffer or 15% buffer when you're crunching some of these numbers? Then? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and again, like, I'm not afraid, like, so I, I run things a little bit different. So like, even if, you know, we got into downtimes, I'm not afraid to rob my rental account a little bit to pay, you know, compensate at a property over here if things got that bad. Because I know in the end, that asset is worth having, keeping, holding on to. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but again, I put myself in that position. You know, I don't want to do that. What's your long-term goals with, with real estate too? Because you're you're acquiring all these different assets. Is it to kind of ride that and continue to sell real estate, or is it uh, yeah, sell it all yeah. and move to Montana or something crazy? Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll die here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not leaving the sleigh belt. I'll, I'll definitely die here. Um, but I do, I would like to pick up a couple hunting properties out west. So that that's a goal. That's mm -hmm. a goal. Maybe I'll use the leverage from my rentals to do that. I don't. Yeah, know. there you go. Um, but no, my, my goals, you know, my grandfather always said, you know, he, he worked in the, uh, he had a business horns outdoor center it was a power sports business. He sold lawn and garden, um, you know, recreational products, four wheelers, motorcycles, dirt bikes. And he, he took, uh, you know, his income and profits from that and rolled into real estate because he was an entrepreneur. He's self-made. He had, he didn't have a retirement, you know, he didn't have a, a benefit package, pension, any of that stuff. So he started buying real estate and he liked single family homes because he said, you know, I could always, you know, uh, if I buy these homes, finance a portion of it and keep buying more, when I retire, I can sell one off every year, year and a half, and I can make a good income, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I won't have to, I won't have to work anymore. So when I'm 65 and I'm done, I'll sell a single family every other year, you know, mm -hmm. and, and at that point you'll make a hundred, hundred and a half, whatever it was, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of kept that mentality in the back of my mind. And um, honestly, at this point, I'm just starting to have a lot of fun with it. So I don't, I don't know what the end game really entails, but um, I'll buy as much as I can buy, um, you know, make it nice. I like, I like putting my money back into my community. So I like fixing up properties, making them nice and presentable. Um, I just spent 30 some thousand dollars and, and recited one of my multi-units because it looks so bad. I, I just, I wanted it to look presentable and look good. My name's on it. Mm -hmm. um, so I do, I do like reinvesting in the community. And, and like I said, as long as the numbers work, I will do it.
Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, eventually, I think uh, long term, as far as agent versus investor, um, at some point in time down the road, I'll probably s- scale down a little bit, maybe in the realtor world. Um, but I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. I enjoy it too much. It's I, pretty I fun. It's pretty yeah, fun. I, yeah, and I, I love working with people. I love helping people. So um, really, uh, because of where I'm at now, it's really not about the money anymore. It's really about, I enjoy it. It's the thrill of it. Um, and uh, I, I like helping people and, and you know doing real estate deals. Yeah, definitely. What's the biggest real estate mistake you've made so far? Biggest real estate mistake I've made so far uh, goes back to not buying the property, not buying the assets, because then I saw them get sold and I saw what happened. I was like, man, I just missed out on multiple six figures. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, 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 I kicked myself, um, about one, one farm, one property. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't write the check. Um, then a year later I could write the check and pay for it entirely. And I, again, I really couldn't do anything about it at that point in time, but hindsight is definitely 2020. And that's a, a big regret I have. Um, I should have figured out another way to borrow the money and, and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, my biggest mistake in real estate is not doing the deal. That's so funny to me because I ask a lot of people that uh, on and off the podcast. <laughs> and that's kind of the general cons- Usually someone's biggest regret is not not buying the property. Like usually the answer is something like, I wish I would have started sooner. I wish I would have just bought the darn thing. And I mean, whether that's an illustration of who I talk to and that if that's transcendent across the entire population, I don't know. But that's a common theme. I will say that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what about you? Is that is that yours or? Um, not. I feel like I feel like I'm doing pretty all right. Um, I would say there's some things that's. Yeah, I mean, I I bought my first piece. I think when I was 26, so I was pumped. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And uh, there's been some other ones. I was like, yeah, I, I probably yeah, I should have pulled the trigger on that, but I haven't made anything any like ginormous, glaringly mistake. Um, I've been maybe slightly more conservative than what I needed to be. I but I think this is another thing too of just business owners and entrepreneurs too is I think it's healthy for them to think this could all go away at any second. Like I, Absolutely. I, I think you have to have that. And, yeah. and I I don't know if that's a general thing across the entire like spectrum, but a lot of the entrepreneurs I talk to is like they have the self-awareness of, okay, it's been really good for a while, but there's no guarantee it'll always be that way. So that's always in the back of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 110%. I just had that conversation with my fiance here a couple weeks ago. And it's like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, whether it's real estate, you create another business, whatever the case may be, it's like your baby, you know? And honestly, as crazy as may sound, it can go away at any point in time, no matter how small it is, you know, whatever the case may be, it can go away. So it's, uh, you know, it's a constant, you know, lingering thought. Keeps you motivated. Absolutely. It's a, it's a motivator for sure. But, and I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I would say that's been mine. But I, overall, what I say has been the biggest benefit is just talking to as many people as you know through the podcast and outside of it, and just learning as much as possible. And uh, I'm always extremely thankful for people that take the time to to share their thoughts and insights. Might not always agree with them, but I'm I'm going to yeah. listen to them, and and that's yeah. that's the thing of it. Absolutely, man. I tell I I told somebody the other day at a township meeting. I'm on a zoning hearing board here in the township, and I told somebody the other day I. I 110% respect opposition. If you're honest with me and you tell me why you oppose what I think, what I believe, I respect that entirely, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so again, I love talking with people, whether it's they agree with me or they don't, but as long as it's an honest, genuine conversation, I love having it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, 
how I want to answer because I hate I hate when people cop out on me. Uh, my biggest mistake is probably not having the foresight as being self-employed as well of how hard it is to get loans at times. And so like now that I've been self-employed for long enough, that hurdle is kind of behind me. But yeah. for a long time, it, that was the, a huge hamstring. And it Absolutely. felt, and this is always what cracked me up too. It's okay. So I'm more risky as a borrower, as a, yeah. as a business owner, as self-employed, mm-hmm. but our employees are less <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I know. So I'm glad you brought that up because I went through that. Um, I just long story short, I went to a local bank. My family's done business with forever for years, um, substantial amount of business. Um, I had good credit. It's just I didn't have a lot of credit history. Right. I always paid my bills, everything on time. I wanted to borrow some money. I wanted a hundred thousand dollar line of credit. I offered them about five hundred thousand in equity and collateral. Wow. They wouldn't do it. I was like, come on, you yeah. know, like, come on, you know, and I had a fight, I had a fight for it. I had to get a co-signer in the very beginning years ago, um, to, uh, to help me with that. But now, you know, now I'm on my own and, and, and things are good, but uh, you know, to reflect on what you said, it takes a lot of work to get to that point where you are strong and, and even a decent borrower, mm-hmm. uh, for a bank to look at you. Yeah. Um, but again, they'll look at your employees and say, oh, you're good. You, you work, you, you know, you get a pay stub and this and that, and they're easier to approve. Yeah. Which, you know? I, I mean, I get the perspective and I know it's, it's their rules and regulations, but, um, yeah, yeah that, that the, uh, another example, which I was fresh out of college, I was going to, I was going to buy a truck, needed a truck loan and I was going to yeah. put down a bunch. I went to the bank that I went for like my entire life yep. and, and they gave me the runaround. They're like, you're good. I went and bought the truck, went and bought it. It's sitting in my parking lot. Yep. They call me Saturday and they're like, oh, well, sorry, we can't do this. I was like, what do you mean? You gave me the thumbs up. It's like, I banked with you guys forever. It's like, like by the transitive property, like as an agent, like there's a lot more opportunity to, to create business for you guys. If this, if you guys double back on me, I can assure you yep. there will be none of that. Yep. And so Absolutely. I, I called another bank and they're like, they gave you a hard time. And I was like, yeah, they, I have the truck. I drove it here. <laughs> like they're yeah. not gonna let yeah. it. Like I need to figure something out here. And yeah. uh, they're like, "Yeah, it's good." And I was like, "All right." Well, and I closed all my accounts from that that bank and went to the other place. Like it's crazy. Yeah. You have to politic for yourself, and it doesn't always work. It it is, and it is, it is a shame. And especially when you're, you're in local business and you have a lot to offer them. You have a lot to bring to the table. I can bring all kinds of clients to the table that want to borrow money, deposit money in there. I've been in those shoes. I took all my money out of that bank, and now several years later, they're calling me asking me for my business. Yep. It's crazy. And, I'm, and you know, because I'm a good guy, I gave, I give them that opportunity, <laughs> but it's just, it, it, it just still this day kind of irks me that I, I couldn't get them to believe in me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's tough, but yeah, that, that, I guess that was one of my lessons. And uh, since then I sold that truck and I bought a crappy car and then I was like, <laughs> debts, uh, consumer debts dumb. And so I had a 180 on that anyways, but yeah. uh, that process was very sobering as a young man. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I hear you. I hear you there. Yeah. And that, and you know what, honestly, you know, while we, we talk a little bit negative in that, in that space there, it's also what makes it fun and enjoyable because that, that little tiny hardship led you to a whole nother opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta find the positivity in it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I, and that's why I stress the importance of where I think people could easily get discouraged like oh, man they said no so i'm gonna guess every bank's gonna say no now yeah and that's, that's not, not the case. case that's not the case at all um the same thing goes for loan officers lenders um you know they uh everybody has something different to offer 
you know, and again, that goes back to me saying quality people. Um, you know, I've been in, in the real estate space long enough to, to sniff out and find the quality people, right? And know what they have to offer. And I've seen them uh, work absolute miracles. So I know what they're capable of. And that's why I retain them, mm -hmm. you know, um, because again, I know what they bring to the table. I know at, in our absolute worst situation, somehow they're going to pull through, mm -hmm. you know? You want winners, man. You want stuff, people that yeah. make stuff happen. I mean, Absolutely. You don't Absolutely. want to. Yeah. And the uh, same, and the same thing goes for competitors, for other agents. I, listen, some people have this, this weird mentality that, oh, they're competition. You can't talk to them. You can't like them. That's not the case. I love working with other realtors because guess what? You can do more deals and, and do effectively do more deals with other realtors when, when you network with one another. Yeah. You know, um, now granted, there are some competitors out there that, at the end of the day, you're just never going to see eye to eye. And I have a few of those. Um, and, and I just, I, it is what it is. Um, but I never let it get in the middle of me representing my client. Um, and uh, again, at the end of the day, I love working and networking with, with other realtors, you know, finding yeah. deals. Hey, I got this client. This is what they're looking for. They're like, Oh, great. I got, I have an asset. This one sell. coming down the pipeline. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I think as I was first starting, that was something I didn't understand. It's like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, you're all lone wolves in this. And then it's like, I kind of looked at it a little bit more objectively. Like we're all on the same team. Like we're all yeah. like, they're, like you're going to lose some listings. You're going to win some listings. And it's like, that's just, it all shakes out. Um, and it's just a lot easier to work together. And, and that's something that I take. I mean, I call agents just to touch base and how are they Absolutely. doing? How was your season? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. One, a great friend of mine works for another brokerage across town. Um, we hang all the time, get lunch together, whatever. Can network all the time, twenty four seven. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just uh, you know, it's just a good way of doing business, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else here? I mean, I, we covered a lot of good stuff here. Um, yeah, any, anything else that jumps out to to the top of mind that that you want to share? Um, anybody out there that has land for sale that. They harvest <laughs> continuous booners. I am a liar. <laughs> You're going to get again, some emails and calls. If you, yeah. If you listen to the podcast, again, if the numbers make sense, I will do the deal. <laughs> yeah. you know? I love that. Yeah, some of the numbers might be inches. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, those yeah. are, yeah, those are booners yeah. per capita. Yeah. That is a number. <laughs> no, that's great. Yep. So awesome. Yeah. Well, where can people find you if they want to? Maybe they're in that area and, and they're looking for assistance. Yeah. Um, so I, I, they can find, actually, they can find me on the placemat, the local diners, um, <laughs> they can find me on the billboards, uh, and uh, social media, Instagram, Russell Horn Realtor, uh, Facebook, same thing, Russell Horn Realtor. I'm there. Uh, I, I make it a top priority to make myself available for, for people. So if you call me and I don't answer, believe me, I'm calling you back as soon as I get that free moment. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, Look forward to following along uh, yeah, your, your real estate year and also your season later uh, this yeah. fall. Yeah, likewise. I'm hoping one day we can do some referrals. Absolutely, man. I Yeah, I get a lot of PA calls. I don't get too many guys from Illinois that want to go to PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, no, you will. Because if I was there, I wouldn't want to come back. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> I've been yeah. there. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks for having me, Jake.